0: Hey folks, welcome in the Pro Football Ireland and Skell on NFL as we uh, brighten your Wednesday morning up wherever you are on the wonderful, wonderful island of this or maybe around the world. Michael McQuaid, Mark Hogan, but the main man, James Skell, the band are back together after me going away last week. I mean, I didn't really miss anything, James. I mean, the the Raiders sacked McDaniel's. There was half a stuff going on here. Good, good to be back, sir. How you doing? I'm very well, done. how are you, keeping Michael? It feels like you're more You must be
1: getting free flights these days with all the air miles you're you're traveling.
0: (laughs) Well, 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 well. Um, All all I'll say is no comment.
2: Okay. (laughs) He was upgraded the other day. He he was upgraded on the flight home to be sitting next to Bundy Key. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: James, will you hear this? 12 euro on a Sunday evening on a plane back from Germany, right? Will you hear this? 15 meg broadband. You can watch Red Zone on the plane. Unreal. How Mark Hogan sat on the plane and didn't watch any NFL. For
2: 12, euro. get on it. My my plane seat didn't come with the little scanner, the QR code. So I'd seen it on the way over, but I didn't know the way back. So Michael let me know when we landed, saying I watched Red Zone the whole way. I normally, I don't listen to a whole lot of music. I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's no podcast, NFL podcast during the games on a Sunday that is of any relevance. And yeah. we touched down and Michael tells me I could have been watching what Red Zone for the full two hours on the way home. So I uh, put that one on you. Yeah, for seriously, yeah, yeah, and it probably counts now until next week. You even having me use up your uh, your allowance, yeah, Michael.
0: All right, all right, all right. James, okay. um, did you have FOMO watching the Germany game? we like, oh god, if if only I could head over to that um, last weekend. I can't,
1: can't do it. I was just talking to Mark last week about um the perspective of Germany game and I was saying it's two teams I really dislike. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't mind too much, but um you know, it's obviously two quarterbacks that I'd like to see. Don't get me wrong. A couple of tight ends I'd like to see, a couple of receivers I'd like to see in person. and uh, you only get so much, I'd imagine, uh viewing on television, whether it be live or through red zone or whatever, i'd say in person, I'd love to I'd love to watch the likes so, of uh, Travis Kel- Kelsey route running. Uh, My home scrambling. Same with every Hill. His actual speed, look at it live. Because you get a sense of it on television, but I'd say in person, it looks ridiculous. You know, um so those things yeah, you'd, you'd love to see in person, see live. But um, yeah, it's pity they, they couldn't book it, but.
0: How was it with you guys? It was good. It was, I, I, I thought it was nice and fresh. I didn't realise, Mark, that half the city actually wasn't there 20 years ago
2: until I got home. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's a mad setup. I don't know if we're gonna probably talk about it more with Jason on Thursday podcast. But uh yeah, definitely Peter King said it to me in person and I think he might have mentioned in his um column that like Munich was all walking, whereas Frankfurt was definitely a bit of driving around. Not that it was massive by any stretch, it definitely still took over the place. But yeah, it was definitely crack some crack. The stadium was really cool because it's just outside the city. So it, outside the outside the actual stadium, there's training pitches, and they just completely covered that with that like hard plastic stuff. That now you see it like music festivals and stuff. 100%. So you could cater for the fifty thousand people within the kind of you scan into the you scan your ticket through the gates, and then everyone gets into the overall complex, which is like fifty thousand people bars everywhere and stuff. That was really really cool to see. That's something that London doesn't have for it at all. Munich didn't have it last year. That was something that was definitely unique. But um. Yeah, it'll be interesting now that we have learned our lessons with Frankfurt and which bars to go to and one area of the city to stay away from, I tell you, I tell you that much. But uh, yeah, we're very lucky to be going back again to see your Patriots now on the weekend, James. Can oh.
1: well, I ask you, let you, um, you know how oh, London was obviously maybe probably the main connection to the NFL in Europe. Is Germany now the second?
0: And, and why? Germany, like... This could turn into a whole, like not even podcast, but podcast series. Like, I mean, Germany is uh, Germany.
1: Do you have any question, question? Is it like is Germany the second? Is that let second home in Europe for NFL now? Or...
2: Do, do you know what, James? Do you know what? I think this has to play out. Um, it looks like Munich will be back again next year, and this is just completely my good feel. I've been to London games, I've been to Frankfurt and Munich games. When you say Germany. And this is nothing against what we just had in the weekend with Frankfurt. It was an insane atmosphere and so many Kansas City Chiefs and Dolphins fans came over. But there was something about Munich last year and I feel safe saying that because Peter King put it in his column as well. So it's not me like, you know, taking a slide at the NFL. There was something special about Munich. And I wonder if Munich backs it up again next year. Will it be not NFL Germany, but it's going to be a Munich thing. And I think... Other cities will find it very difficult to compete with what Munich has. Yeah, right. It could move around other places, don't get me wrong. But I think that the measuring stake will become Munich because that's how good it was last year. So it's like Germany, like we were hoping for beer halls and lovely architecture. And like Michael said, like because of World War II, that place was like leveled and it was only built up again 60 years ago. So it doesn't have that kind of same history to it and stuff. So when you're someone like me that hasn't been to Germany before, it was definitely, or before going to Munich, I was like, wow, this is just a complete culture shock. I'm definitely in a different country. Frankfurt felt a bit more like an American city because it's quite modern. So I think that just that magic that Munich had separated it. And when people have gone Munich to Frankfurt, back to Munich, they're going to see what we're kind of potentially missing this year. And that I think could be really interesting. But again, obviously that's a year away.
0: Okay. I think what will happen is, there's a lot of talk around the Panthers next year because they're the only team that has not played a game uh, in that market that they're in. Not to go into massive detail about it. I think they'll not have a massive game. I think it'll be the Panthers against somebody mid. Um, and the thing about for people listening about Berlin is Berlin is different to Munich and to Frankfurt in it's the local council or local government must, must be in charge of the event. So the NFL wouldn't be allowed to be fully in charge of the event. That's why they haven't hosted it to this date. But... Mm. Okay. Certainly have to, get to, have to get you to a Patriots game soon, James, in Germany. And I'm sure i will be back very soon. The guy, like, I mean, like, you, you've been a fan for so long. I mean, very briefly looking at this this weekend, like Sebastian Vollmer bringing his team to his country, mm-hmm. commenting on the game for the equivalent of what RTA or the BBC is in Germany. I wouldn't be surprised if he burst into tears, to be honest.
1: With, you. But with pride or with fear?
0: better both. <laughs> oh god I'm so sorry Sebastian I'm so sorry oh god uh,
1: Sebastian I feel the pain yeah, did, you, did you catch the game guys? did you watch the pass game any bit
0: of it I see it I, I actually picked the Pats to win the game but I really thought James that they would have performed a lot better like for Washington to have that week where they lose two main guys and then go in to New England was I don't know and then the press conference after was just fun it was like balance,
1: sure, yeah. You're, you you in a self guy. The bombardment of the questions that I suppose they have to ask. Job security. How do you feel? And in a, in a you know, notorious Bill Belichick fashion, he just moves on. We're on to Indianapolis. and in Indianapolis. You know, but you, I, it must get out. Even, even for a coach as experienced as him, and as as knowledgeable as him, it must really overcome, get at him, and and, and impact him. And I actually wonder with all the pressure that's on him because he's never experienced this. He was clear or when we go back to the Cleveland days, is it impacting his decision-making, you know, his clientele speaking, his clear... I, like, what, what do you think, guys? I think it's getting into his head a bit.
2: Now, do you know what? Do you know what? It's funny because um, you and I are aware that there are certain outlets that have kind of been anti-Bill Belgic for a few years. I feel like maybe some of the beat writers have, for lack of a better phrase, have taken receipts. And are, there's a bit of payback there for Bill, put him in those uncomfortable positions because they know he's potentially on the way out. Like, you know, the, you know it's coming, whether it's this week, next week, next season, like it's definitely now the end of Bill Belichick is sooner rather than later. So I definitely feel like some people are taking pot shots, you know, like, like there's one guy that I think you have to show enough respect to and it's Bill Belichick when it comes to job security. And this whole, like, yeah, making it a narrative and putting it in people's heads that he should lose his job. And um, is can we call it an agenda? Yes, I think we can. From certain beat writers, and um, yeah, I, 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 mean, I know they have to ask the question, but, yeah, but for what, thousands what, what, of what, what, for thousands of words to be written on it now is, you know, it's like they can only have as much of an opinion as, you know, it, it only goes so far. But they're really milking it.
1: Yeah, like not, not to not to go too long on this, but. What really pisses me off is the fact that I suppose certain media outlets are really hammering, honing in on on the or Tom Brady was he was the obviously he was the face of the franchise, but they're completely outweighing his environment, which is talking about His involvement was huge, right? But there's an age-old saying in American sports: defense wins, wins championships. And Brady didn't didn't assemble the defense. Brady didn't assemble the clientele around him. And I just I hate to see the disrespect being thrown at Bill for what he's done over his coaching career, specifically in the Patriots. And then everyone, for these things to do, and, and the kick comments, as, as I call it, especially new people who were, who were pundits, ex-players in the last couple of years saying it was all Brady, it's all Brady. That's bullshit. Do you know what I mean? It was a collective effort, and everybody, everybody knows that. Excuse the language. Everybody knows that. But just, as you said yourself, Mark, like I suppose he's had a charter on his back, and people were just waiting. Now they've released <laughs> the
2: Like Tom Brady thrived in the Patriot way. And like anyone that's saying it was all Tom Brady, sorry, do you not understand what happened with Bruce Arians? Like Bruce Arians lost his job as the head coach because Tom Brady allegedly or apparently was saying he doesn't work. He's too free willed or whatever, just, you know, like airy fairy. We need someone that has strict parameters in place for a team that I'm going to be on. Because, you know, we all know that Bruce Arians kind of hung around awkwardly there in the background with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. for the year after when Brady was still there. And it's like, what's this guy still doing here? Brady is clearly, like, elevated up to, like, some suite to watch games from. So it's like anyone that's saying that, like, it was all Tom Brady. is like, no, Tom Brady absolutely loved the environment that Bill Belichick created. Yeah, there became tension. And ultimately, that's why they, they divorced in the end, because it went on not too long, but, you know, like, they had to keep going back to the same well again and again and again. And but Brady wanted to see it a different way. Yeah. But I don't know. Like you say, there it's nonsense to say that one is the other. And you know, I suppose we shouldn't go on about it because we're going to dissect the day that he does move on. We're going to dissect it to every which way. But yeah. it's like, yeah, when you see it in the present, it's like, give me a break. Like, stop trying to get clicks because you know well, like they're getting massive clicks because this is massive in Boston at the moment.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: And um, I will here I love that whole chapter I think we can have it every week every
0: week and we will have an emergency podcast when it does come to an end at some point we'll just get James in the blower immediately and one thing about the GAA James and maybe, maybe for people that are listening to this maybe they've never played Ga and they're not really aware of this fact if you're outside Ireland for example and you know you, you, you play for your club you play for your county you don't play for anybody else unless it's some sort of Masters, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like It's usually club county, that's it. Look at Josh Dobbs coming in to Minnesota and look at his CV, some of the teams he has played for, for him to stand on the sideline and start practicing with his teammates, never having practiced with him before. Can you imagine joining a different club or county or something and just being thrown in at the deep end? It's insane to see what he's done. Like.
1: But listen, I, I can imagine myself being thrown into any team in the country. Because I can do my job, and my job does not impact anybody else to a degree. You know what I mean? If someone tries to take a shot on me, I can save it and get it out. But for Josh, Josh Dobbs to do what he's doing, I think I'm up with I correction here. I think, that, I think the Vikings is his seventh or eighth team you know, since he's come out of the draft, Steelers, which is a sign itself. But for him to come into a game and, you know, if you line up six people in front of me, right, or f- five people, sorry, the offensive line, and you give me their five names, I'll struggle to remember the five <laughs> Yeah, right right there and then. So for them to get down his his cadence call. You know, I, I and I read an article yesterday that there was a I can't remember who was written by now, but it was detailing how Kevin O'Connor was in his he was in the mic and the helmet. And as the play was being called, he was describing the play as, you know, job, job is job has gone through his cadence. Like I mean that's just absolutely awesome. And like I think he's he's a supremely intelligent person from what you, from what you read up on him in terms of his you know, he's got a scientific brain. He's He was involved in NASA programs and this kind of stuff, which was amazing, amazing to read. And like what he pulled off, when, he, when you look at the circumstances and the degree of difficulty, that's the big thing. The degree of difficulty, of what he was able to do against a top in the field. So an intercept defense, I don't care if they're top or not, but an intercept defense was nothing short from amazing. And like he had, what, three short touchdowns, 150 yards past and then 60 something odds rushing. It was just amazing. Amazing. And great to see. Great to see like, for, for a fan, a neutral fan. Sad so wish
2: see. It's definitely um, really interesting. I'm going to pull up uh, who exactly that tweet was that you're uh, referencing there about um, Kevin O'Connell through the play or through the helmet conning in the place. I th- think we have to pause for a second and give credit to Kevin O'Connell without Christian D'Arsar, without Justin Jefferson, without Kirk Cousins. Like, here's a guy that's under pressure for his job to a certain level even though he obviously had last year. But to be able to put it into layman's terms, look, it's not layman, like you said, Josh Dobbs is a, a background with NASA. He's obviously an ins- extremely intelligent person. But Kevin O'Connell, o- O'Connell obviously did a fantastic job explaining that offense in 25 seconds, what is supposed to happen with each snap. So I think that, that like, it's... Actually, like a kind of a positive. We uh, look. Josh Dobbs probably won't hang around in Minnesota forever. Let's see how the rest of the season goes, anyway. But like that, I think was really impressive to me. But I, I wasn't surprised at all. I'm a Cardinals fan. I got to watch him, and he definitely brought us friskiness. Like he was when you say how many teams he's been on. I think it's been five teams in the last year. He was with the Browns, and then they let him go last year when thing got healthy. It was just Sean Watson. I think he was on the Lions practice squad. Then the Titans got him during the summer, traded him to the Cardinals, traded they traded him to the Vikings. So it's like that's a serious amount of change, especially for a guy that's been in the league since 2017 and his first two starts. Him. Uh who drafted him? I don't know. Was it the was it the Steeders? I feel like I feel like the Steers yeah, were the ones who drafted him. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like a picture of so, him left in a uniform, yeah,
2: behind Ben. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it was. So it's like it was his first two career starts were last year. And then added on to whatever it was the eighth that he had with the Cardinals this year, and that's that's his ninth. So it's his eleventh start. So it's like, yeah, it shows the journeyman process. It obviously shows why he was kept around this entire time. That like he was able to bounce around because he obviously did have that brain. But um, yeah, I think some credit has to be given to Kevin O'Connell as well for um for putting him in a position to win. And like I said, I'm I'm not surprised no. as a Cardinals fan because it was class to watch Josh Dobbs all year. And I said that on the podcast last week. I was kind of surprised with Jason that he wasn't more like. I, I, he was the best backup in the league. I don't know why the Cardinals wouldn't have kept him um, for whatever happens next year, whether they keep with Kyler Murray or with Caleb Williams. I don't think it was worth trading him just because you could potentially resign him next year and he might appreciate that loyalty to him or whatever, that um, it's a really valuable thing to have in the, in the building. So the Vikings should certainly, you know, next year, but that's that's ways away.
1: But tell me this, like, so when I, when I speak about the degree of difficulty, right, and so, Kevin Connolly is going through the play calls. That's that. that and I can accept that. Absolutely fine. But Dobbs has to assess the defense: are they playing man? Are they playing zone? Are they blitzing? Are they not? And then his first read might might be bust. So for him to react the way he did, I thought that was just unreal, like nearly non-human. So, really, so you you have a who gives the play call, breaks it down as you're saying, Mark, into layman's terms. You know, and obviously Dobbs has to go through a degree of of, of memorization for that. But then, in real time, you've got someone who's trying to blow up all them goals right in your face. <laughs> no,
2: yeah, I, I, I suppose the funny thing, or the fortunate thing for him is that we had there playing the Atlanta Falcons, who like seem to shoot themselves in the foot over and over again and are getting you no know, consistent play from the defensive backs. It was Alec Lewis. Let me check where he's actually from. It was the guy that um, had that tweet out that went viral? Um, I think he's from. Uh, let me see. Well, let's give him his credit. Oh, he's the Viking speed rider for the Athletic. Obviously, replaced our friend Arifa San, Michael. But uh, that's
0: who uh, who had the tweet. <laughs> I look. It's 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 one thing. Just going back to this whole situation with Kevin Kevin O'Connell. If if you and this is the beautiful thing about the NFL, if you look at where this team was last week when Kirk Cousins goes down, and one thing that there were so many question marks about the Vikings going into to the season, for that to happen last week, for O'Connell to stand up and basically admit defeat immediately and say and gutted you know they, they, they were devastated and for Kirk Cousins I I was sitting whenever you boys were recording last week having a cervetsa, seeing that he la- ended up going to a, a charity fundraiser the man couldn't couldn't stand up properly speaks an awful lot about him but if, like I wouldn't have gave the Vikings a chance in hell when on Sunday with Josh Dobbs and what they were able to do To bring him in the perfect option, Mark, you talked about it on your power rankings. He was the perfect guy they could have brought in and it just worked. You hope for him that it'll work the rest of the season now in the sense of it might give him some longevity at a position where you just don't know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins down the stretch. But I loved watching the tape after the game. And honestly, like I think Jeff said to us in the podcast yesterday, it's one of the greatest sporting moments he's seen for somebody to come in and do that that in that team.
2: Give credit to Defa Menza, the general manager, because sometimes he doesn't get it, obviously, when he was brought in, like he made some fantastic moves, but it's like, that was the move to make. As a Cardinals fan, I was able to realize that very quickly, but like, that's as a Cardinals fan, not a lot of people were watching the Cardinals this year, so it was like, it was an extremely obvious move to me to make. I suppose that's obviously qualified then because they actually go out and do it. Like, yeah, it makes more sense then. But it's like, I really didn't truly believe going into that game that it was the right thing to do. But it's like the difference now for Josh Dobbs is when he was with the Cardinals, he'd no genuine future. He was playing for a backup role next year. Because Kirk Cousins is out of contract and because of this injury, he is playing for a starting position. Like, this could be the Geno Smith story all over again. So it's like, yeah, credit has to go to the general manager in the front office for recognising that there's an opportunity here because, you know, to, like if they went and traded for like insert uh, Trey Lance or someone here, there's no, you know, like at least this is a genuine opportunity for Josh Dobbs that if it had gone horribly, they end up with a good draft pick. But if it goes well, they're evaluating a potential starter at the position in the future for them.
0: Let's talk about CJ Stroud, James. we got to talk about this guy. I tried to have a conversation with Jeff about this on Monday and he's getting very angry with me like because he's he apparently jumping to conclusions the man the lad scored five five passing touchdowns he broke so many records at the weekend
1: yeah.
0: I feel like I need to get excited as a fan of the game for a start oh my God like as a New England fan do you wish you had him um well at present
1: moment yes uh you come to practice <laughs> the very a cool character and came kind of under pressure and you know, I'm. I suppose I'm a statistics man. First and foremost, when it comes to the NFL, I love how they keep their records. I follow it every single week, and I just when I saw a CJ CJ Stroud's performance on yesterday morning, I just started investigating what kind of record did he break, what kind of pressures he able to exude? So like under the blitz, normally you see rookie quarterbacks when they get blitzed all out, they struggle to recognize the blitz coming onside, and then they just they make an error, they throw an inherent pass, they try to get rid of it. Or or usually they they suffer yards for loss with a sack, right? CJ Stroud has a sixty-eight percent completion rate against the Blitz. That is ridiculous, guy. Like I mean, his his QB, I think his QBR was like 147th of the day. You know, four hundred and seventy odd yards, five TDs. You was a man to hit that since Patrick Holmes, the Chiefs. You know, like it just we watch the game live and you see the way Credit. Now I have to give credit because I do have. a least a bit of a soft spot for Blake Mason, Brett. So forgive me. But the way the way the books came along and drove down the field and got the touchdown. albeit well, with a bit of luck. Don't get me wrong. With Evans catching the pass, and for for CJ to come back and you know deliver difficult throws uh, was just awesome. Even you look at the end of the game as obviously the camera it shoots to uh, it shoots to um, Ryan the coach and he's he's nearly just succumbed with emotion. The way I can't believe what he's after what they're after pulling off and. It was on his shoulders. I, I just think it's awesome what he's done, and like he's. Look, I'm going to say it here. He's got rookie of the year hung up. Don't tell me no one's going to win rookie rookie of the year now. He's got it's all, it's all out of the way. So we're not, we're,
0: we're headed for week ten. What if Will Lavis balls out the next eight weeks? He, he no, will. I don't know.
1: What he was to start for. I give you that. But like CJ, Stroud now has been impeccable. In fairness to him, he's taken a franchise who's, I suppose, all the debacle with the, with the John Watson, you name it, over the last uh, 24 months, and he's put them up uh, into, into a, uh, a seriously good position and. You, know, you struggle to find words these kind of kind of guys because I'd imagine NFL teams go through rigorous amount of research, you know, interviews, uh, you know, liaison with people within, there's the college, I know he's with Ohio State, State etc., to try and find the right person. And when you, I'd say when you hit on the right person, must be quite, quite fulfilling. And look what they have, like they've got an absolute boss right now. Like he he is a franchise quarterback. this guy. and like he's he's probably. Oh, is he top? He, he probably is top 10 in the league at the minute. You know, like, I'm going through in my head as we speak. He probably is. Obviously, you've got your top six or seven that are nailed on. He, he probably does break in the top, top 10 as a rookie. That's awesome. Man. That's really awesome. Where, where
0: does Haxons in your rankings mark at the minute?
2: Uh, 16. Um... I guess are four and fours so I think we might talk about the Bills in a, in a second but it's like that's the kind of team that they're going to have to compete with because if you're going to say that the AFC North maybe gets two of those card spots say the Ravens win let's just say for instance and then the Bengals and the Browns maybe get in there then you're competing with the Bills all of a sudden. for the And I, I think they're going to make it interesting, like with the way that the schedule is set up for them. And I have to give credit to you, Michael. It was on the other podcast, but in the first, what, two or three weeks, we have our um, headache where we talk about a player on a team that's going to create a headache for someone else. You were coming out with Texas players the whole, or Texan players the whole time. And I was like, that's where, do you remember on one of the podcasts, like, geez, I've started paying attention to the Texans now because, like, where do these, you know, tank downs oh, come from? Yeah, 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 and it's, so this kind of, like, look, we're feeding into this whole thing about, like, really focusing on um, CJ Stroud this week, and it kind of, you know, annoys me, the whole group thing that's going on with everyone except for us uh, when they start talking about this, but, like, when we actually dive into it, it's like, we were kind of, like, looking from afar, being like, what's going on there with the Texans, but one thing that we didn't pay enough attention to was uh, CJ Stroud almost had the record for the longest uh, debut without throwing an interception for a rookie. He just, whatever it was, game seven was the record, and he threw it in game seven, but then they go down to the snap count and Kyler Murray had just been him out for it. But it's like he's still only thrown one interception. He's so smart with the ball. So when I was watching this game back, I actually didn't watch the game itself back because all the talk was about GJ Stroud. I watched um, Chase Daniels as a thing out. Um you know, Chase Daniels, former quarterback in the NFL. So he just broke down 14 of the best plays. And it is insane on so many levels to see the footwork. It's just like one, two, three, bam, out comes the ball. The motion that he has. And Chase Daniels is able to explain better because I've obviously never played quarterback in my life about how snappy the throwing is. But it's that he's like it's just shown that he's developed so much in the first few weeks that Zayn, on in one of the first play, I think it was the fourth drive of the game. The ball is snapped. He's turning to his left. But then he glances over his shoulder because he knows he's actually he needs to get to the right of the field. That's where the ball is going. So he glances to see what pressure is coming at him from that side of the field. There is a free blitzer coming at him. So he knows he needs to get this ball out quick. So then he turns faster and he gets the ball out. A few plays later, he sees... Defense uh, DB is after dropping too deep back, but he knows that that DB is fast enough that he can close in his man. So he actually underthrows the route by about a yard, knowing that his receiver can fall down and it kind of and still pick up the ball. That he he won't be running in stride when he gets it, but at least he can adjust. And it's these small things that it's like they're not flukes. And I suppose the massive thing is like you said, rookie of the year, there, James. He absolutely could be the Rookie of the Year because when we talked Rookie of the Year, Michael, we were talking Anthony Richardson. I'm not going to call it a gimmick, but he can use his legs to bail on stuff. And, like you know, the great rookie campaigns of uh, RG3 or Cam Newton had that as well. CJ Stroud went into this offense and was immediately the best player in it. It's not like he was Brock Purdy last year, surrounded by talent throughout the field. Now, like you said, Michael, there is good players there. The likes of Noel Brown, the likes of, the likes of Tank Dell. But still, there's no superstars there. He's not underneath the call, Shannon. He's under Bobby Stoke, first-year offensive coordinator. Like, a lot was riding on CJ Stroud having to do it himself. And that's what's most impressive. He doesn't have all the talent around him, but he's elevating everyone and making insane plays. And you have to give him that credit for only having the one interception because it just goes to show how, like, perfect he's playing.
1: Can I ask you guys just your opinion on something? Um, Just from watching the game, it looks like the Texans have got this play design whereby they use Dalton, Dalz, blah, Dalton Schultz. Sorry, as they uh kind of their their to guy under pressure? So I think he had, like ten or eleven receptions, and all those was packed for like hundred plus yards. I can't remember the average, but it seems like when Strauss was coming under heavy blitz, Schultz was always the first
2: the first read to through, through in, in between the numbers. Did you notice that, or is that just? It might be based on play action though, as well though, because he there is a bit there is a good bit of play action in the in the offence but obviously play action can't be yeah. used say like in the final drive only 46 seconds because obviously yeah, no yeah. one's pointing on you going for the run so that might be it but it's like I, I, who did I read a comment from from um, Ben Zolak from The Ringer had up that like there's no talent really on the offence and I was like I don't know about it. like they, they are like don't get me wrong he, he's having a career year um, Schultz but like I, I, I would give more credit to the players on the offence that like yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what I call a complete coincidence. I think it, the scheme obviously is going to get the ball in his hands a bit more. But like, what I tra- trust the Tank Dell, Yeah, because they went to him for the touchdown at the very end of the game. And was it Noah Brown or t- yeah, it was Noah Brown? Noah Brown over a
0: hundred and fifty them- yards, averaged about thirty yards per carry
2: on Sunday four, four receivers had 100 yards like that's insane like I know he put up to 450 but that shows that they spread it like that's insane but they did go to Noah Brown for that massive gainer on the last drive and look obviously Dalton Schultz doesn't have the speed say for the drive to get them up the field 46 seconds after have to go 75 yards but um, yeah should they spread it around in such a way that you know you couldn't get, put too much saying that is, do they have a tendency there
0: I agree I think it's more play action, but when you mention Noah Brown there, I think people like he's almost becoming a forgotten element when you're talking about Tank Dell and Nico Collins. It's crazy. So the potential with that team is just unreal. Not just this season, but going forward. And it's great to see D'Amico Ryans have such a good start in a city that he's loved in and and that he had so much experience in. James, um what else ticket your fancy at the weekend? We were sitting in Germany in the Isle Schnitzel and you know, scene. like I I literally sat to about two o'clock on Tuesday morning watching games. I was like, now do
2: you know what? Now you say we never got a schnitzel. I'm wow. say, We yes. never got a schnitzel.
0: <laughs> You're <not> even <laughs> I, I haven't even told you. The person beside me on the taxi or on the the plane, I put on red zone, and he was like, "Do you want the So He bought he bought an apple strudel on the flight, so I got a strudel as well. So I had an apple strudel.
2: Why are we saying three rows? Now, before you laugh, free car, water, honestly.
0: free chocolate, apple strudel, a bit of red <laughs> blue, Wi-Fi, Bondiaki. I could do this every week, you know. To be honest,
2: baby. here I didn't get a Stein either. Is my problem. I was drinking. I was being re- sensible, having just the pint glasses. So I said, we're knocking out our content early this week, and I'm getting myself the schnitzel, the schnoodle, or schnitzel strudel, um, and a Stein. Have to do it. Have to do the trifecta this week. Not missing out on that again.
1: I, I suppose I wanted to get your sorry I wanted to get your opinion on where, what you think of the Dolphins, um because it, it seems like they come out and they have a you know an awesome performance then it's it's kind of deflattering and like they're they're all on three against teams with winning records, so I want what's your thoughts like obviously the Chiefs beaten them the Eagles <sighs> I mean, beaten them and the Bills uh, the Bills didn't
2: I I, 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 I knew more. this narrative can't fi- can't finish what like they can't. They couldn't start well. Like they finished, it was twenty-one nothing down. They got twenty-one forty. I was gonna be aggressive. I thought, Mike. my it's so funny. I said to Jason, I started typing out potential questions. So that I don't forget. I started in the third quarter, fourth quarter. I started like ideas start coming, through. and I put down the whole narrative thing because that was obviously going to be the question. Um, Mike McDaniel is a broader one, himself, and of course. Ultimately, someone did ask it straight in when he comes out. They did ask about Tua and Mike Daniels about that narrative and how they're going to deal with it going forward. I couldn't get my own question in about addressing it with the team, but Mike McDaniels kind of did address it, being like, "Yeah, we are going to have to like face that. We've earned that um, narrative. It's for us. For up to us. I think we're going to come back to it when they play the Ravens. Though they still have plenty more games. But what I really like kind of wanted to ask about was they had like they were like so close to having explosive plays in the first half. Like, the Tyreek Hill in the first quarter, just, like, it's it's a hand away from being a massive gain. It just goes through his hands. It's like, they looked in the first half before the game looked to get sideways. It was that they were taking the shots, and they do. They want to take shots, especially on first and second down. And, yeah, when it doesn't go their way, then they're facing, like, a long third down. It's like, they can't, they, you know, like they just can't seem to hit on it then. Yeah. So it's like, I actually thought it was unfair that people weren't recognizing that they were just missing on these explosive plays. And I did say to you last week, James, that I did see, I did feel like Tua has a bit of that. Now, I one thing that was very evident is when plays start to break down, I think that Tua, we said last week, he's perfect for the system. I don't think he is displaying that he's cerebral enough to find an out, to figure out a play, to see, like, when a play breaks down, like, if the, if his option isn't there, like they're not getting something they're not getting a miraculous playoff. Mm-hmm. But that's why they have to capitalize that when the potential is there for an explosive play, that they hit on it. So I think there is inconsistencies that I talked about last week that were confirmed to me in person, but at the same time, we have to give credit for what almost happened because when we were saying the sky is falling, it's like one or two more that goes into the hands in the first half. We're talking about this team being a lot more positive. And the game could have been switched. Like, at the end of the day, they were a bad snap away. No, not a bad snap, but the third down call, Cedric Wilson, like, takes off and 200 throws him. I don't know what the miscommunication was, but that's what I'm saying. Those miscommunications are there. They need to, like, dial in on that. But I think they can fix that, especially with such a good head coach that I still have faith in them to fix those problems. Sorry for ranting. I don't know how long I just... Well, well so it's, it's here. Like it was interesting to ask like, I, I, I I, don't mean to butt in
0: but I'll say one thing what if the Chiefs defence is just that good Like no, I know no. the two had it like they were just I thought in the first half on Sunday the Chiefs defence dominated the Dolphins two had a couple of questionable plays in the fourth quarter in my opinion but I certainly agree with Mark they can get a fix and if anyone's going to help them get a fix it's McDaniels, he is by far the best head coach for that team in many I- years but you're right. In my, Sorry. In that
1: sense, I fully agree with that sense. In, in that, I think it's a good match. It's a match made in heaven. I think, I think the personality of McDaniel and, and his, his scheme development with the the person he has in Chua and the weapons around him are perfect. I get that. I'm fully with you. Right? My my worry is that not worry is that I'm wondering that when the Dolphins come up against teams of winner records who have staunch defenses, and when they go down the line, heading towards the end of the season, and they come up against uh, they come up against the Ravens. You know, or they up against the Bengals, we you have, know, we will really fly high. And can two and the guys get done? I'm I'm saying mm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> not so sure. And if they play the Ravens right now, would you would you back would you back Miami to beat them?
2: See, this is this is the problem. Like you're dead right that they've lost these teams, but the Eagles, they if you're saying like the offense could be, the Eagles defense is savage. The Bills' defense obviously has injuries now, but their DBs were able, well able to match up with Miami's. Kansas City's is, is savage. The Ravens are savage. The Bengals are now savage with Luana Ruma. It's, it's not like like they have to play their best football because all the best teams have a serious defense. Yeah. And it's that Miami's defense is not operating well at all like you know it needs to like be talked about more to Vic Fangio and we did talk about this going into the year that this is very likely to happen you're hoping that when Jalen Ramsey comes back that they're operating. but like they were collapsed in the pocket like Bradley Chubb was like right on top of Patrick Mahomes and they couldn't get a hand on him like that was yeah. what I thought was the most frustrating part of the game that they, they just can't seem to bring a quarterback down. So more has to be put on the defense as well because we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Their offense isn't high flying, but is that their defense is stepping up. So it's like why can't we charge that same thing at the Miami Dolphins, being I mean, like give your offense a bit of help when it's not operating fully? There's
1: well, the one thing Mark, I look at Miami, right? And maybe this is me being look at it's not my bias. Don't get me wrong right. But when they blitz, you know what, they don't get there fast enough. And then they're blown out of coverage. And when they when they go back to zone, you know what I mean? It's like with the dope blitz, it's like they just they lose it together. So I'm looking at I look at the game stats and saying, right, how does a person like Travis Kelsey, who, look, at the world and his father knows he's the main guy from home, so only have, what, three catches for 14, 14 yards and still get ripped apart? You know, I think Mahomes has seven or eight different receivers. So if you're if you're looking at the guys and you're saying, right, like the Miami defense, you're saying to yourself, right, we need to stop a high-powered offense, you know, and get to the quarterback, it's not going to happen. Like, they're not, they're not going to be able to catch Lamar. You know, Joe Burrow will slice them up, I have to, I have to say. Like the Bills, you'd imagine. I know that you talked about the, the injuries, about Josh Allen could, could potentially get a slice of up. He's done a couple of weeks ago. So I'm wondering. See, it's it's very popular in in, in America at the moment, in NFL terms, because they put up 70 Broncos. McDaniel's quite quirky. He's a very good personality with the NFL. You know, Tyree Hill and Jalen Waddle. we know what they're like. But
2: this could all come crashing down. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you mentioned Jalen Waddle. So Jalen Waddle was in and out of the offense the whole time there the other day he get them going off injured so it's like yeah they didn't obviously plan for that to be in the in in the recipe but like yeah then what did happen to the run game it seems to be non-existent again it's like when are they going to get it going mm-hmm. it's like look you know, they're going to be able to tune up against weaker teams again after the boy but they still do have a very heavy slate ahead of them and um, you have to you have to be worried for them really but then i suppose the bills the same thing is going against the bills you know so it's If anything, there was a bit of separation this week that the Chiefs, the Bengals and the Ravens are really the ones to beat now in the AFC and everyone else is just lagging behind and every single team in the NFL now has a slight against it. So it's not unique to Miami. But when we're saying that, yeah, Miami was able to put up a 70 point game, we expect a whole lot out of them. But again, like this game. Still got down to the final few plays. Like they could have tied the whole thing up. Do you know what? I have to say, and I know this is talking about Kansas City now, but Kansas City was like showed no aggressiveness. They could have ended the game. They were on, they got a third and one in their own, like in their own half now. But it's like you clearly run the ball there because you can run. So it was before the two minute ru- warning. But if you run the ball here, you only need to pick up a yard first of all but if you run the ball here, you force them to take a timeout and they threw. And I guess that is aggressive because it's like, in that spot, you clearly don't throw. But, you know, that was poor management as well from Andy Reid that it's like, do the safe thing and try for the first down just with the running game, bleed the clock, at least force a timeout and then punt because they ultimately had to punt anyway because they weren't able to get the, the ball to go into anyone's hands. It's like, that should have been criticized but because the Kansas City Chiefs won, it wasn't mentioned but it's like, you know, it's all all as well when you win, but there were signs of weakness there from the Chiefs that hadn't been brought up either. There's so many issues on the offense that even Mahomes talked about seconds later. But
0: Peter Kingston, we'll get this to work. We'll we'll fix it. Seems like something that's been like, an issue
2: since they only put up 14 points as well, Michael. Like it was yeah. that incredible lateral is what you know was the highlight of the whole game, but that came from defense, like Trent McDuffie. That was something that I wanted to ask McDaniel. Like, would you encourage your players to throw an arrow? Because we know it's such an um an unusual move to do that. I would love to see it more, and it was amazing to see it live in person. But ultimately, like the Chiefs' to offense only put up 14 points as well. So maybe the the Dolphins' defense did do a good job then. But we know that Kansas City isn't heavily powered at the moment. Let's stay on Germany to end this,
0: right, James? Me and Marcus are going to be sitting in front of your god your American God <laughs> on Sunday if you could gone, ask, he's gone, ask him one question regardless of the result what would it be I, I look I'll do it you tell me the question I'll do it it's a big bill It's a big cheese.
1: i I like you now Mark I, I would need preparation for this I need to be sitting down thinking about the actual I, I would go back in history you know um, I had one question for him you see it'd have to be a question that he'd answer you have to engage him so if you ask him a question, oh, is Mac Jones going to be your quarterback next year? He's won't answer that. You know, he'll, he'll say, you know, we'll continue to evaluate the position. That's all he'll say. So you kind of want to you kind of want to engage him in a question whereby he can get technical. So I'd probably pick a play. You know what I mean? And ask him to give to give him an explanation, give him give him give him a, give him a, a an in depth explanation as to what the play call was there, or and, and explain it in his terms, so I can get some knowledge off of him. I probably wouldn't ask him a stupid question. that I would get it that people would aim towards a click. You know what I mean? You have attention. to
2: be paying attention. You have to be paying attention during the game. That's it. Like yeah, it, like yeah, I'm actually pulling up now. It's, um, when did I take this? The 21st of September, I took this note on my phone of potential things to look out for in a game. But I also put a picture of page 240 of It's Better to Be Feared, the book that you and I are reading, yeah. about what it is like in those press rooms and talking about... um. The, the, the massive names that have been born from the Boston media landscape who were able to survive a Bill Bilbaochi press conference for se- season on season so I am well aware of the task that we have in front of us I will not put it on your shoulders to help me nail this James but it would be great Michael if you are able to introduce yourself Michael, Ho- uh, Michael, Michael McQuaid Michael Hogan asking asking on behalf of James Skelhill now back in Ireland uh, <laughs> wants to ask
1: Michael I would I, drive up north and give you a hug if you did that <laughs> yeah.
2: stop off in the shop for some proper tato as well um, maybe that's what we do maybe we uh, th- we keep it simple we offer a uh, southern tato northern tato Bill wish you prefer
0: it of these <laughs> I genuinely like I, I will just say this now right I got the email from NFL Germany PR today um, and both teams coming in on the Friday it was announced Oh, I'm not going to be there but to be a fly in the wall at that press conference because some of the crap that Belichick's going to be asked by, by some of the media in like different countries
2: is going to be amazing and he's going to sit there and be like get me to home I, Actually, I, I find that interesting in itself because I asked to the question did he feel um, jet lagged and he almost gave a very interesting answer you could see it in his eyes that he was about to say that the week was probably too long but he didn't, and this is what we're trying to figure out now. Because this year, it's just been on over the place. The week longer seems to be better in London, but maybe it's just an hour difference too far when you go to Germany to do it. But the Patriots doing it, I can't imagine. Belichick has left it to chance. I'm sure that you know in the off season, like they knew that this was happening for a long time, as far back as the last year. I'm sure he's thought about it. He always thinks about these things, so he surely has a science. And is he looking forward to doing any of the media now? Which, <laughs> when does he ever you'd imagine look forward to doing media?
0: I have seen the Patriots play twice against my beloved Broncos in Denver, two years in a row, James. Glad to let you know ahead of this weekend, I'm two and zero with the Patriots. And so. I guess the
1: was it the 18 AFC Championship game one of them?
0: 2016 and 2017 Sunday Night Football, both of them.
1: So. I am. I have watched the Broncos and Patriots once, and I am one against them. And- uh, November 2013, the real core game when Peyton absolutely lost his shit after halftime because we came back and beat him. 24-3 down at halftime. Remember that Wes Welker? Remember the punt hits him. Remember that game, no? You're
0: muted, Mike. You're muted, Michael. I'm You're muted, muted Mike. I'm muted. You've, you've literally made me speechless. When I think of Wes Welker now, all I can think of is him in the big orange jersey. but... Because he got us, he, he he got us over the line a few times, and I don't know, James. Well, I feel like we're gonna have to Facetime here or something from this game, and on, before, on Sunday, I I uh, definitely send you a few pics of the big dog anyway.
2: Before I, I so? guess because we we might as well mention the game because obviously is um, relevant. So Washington, you thought going against them the last day, especially, and I I actually uh, made my pick based and you you know pointing out correctly that Montez Sweat and Chase Young were traded. After that result, was it somewhat sobering? Are you kind of going into this game being like, "Look, the team is two and seven. I don't expect to win." Or are you kind of still open, like, "We're going to Germany. Let's get a win against the Colts."
1: Um, I suppose my, my ethos always is: is if you're a professional sportsman, it's win first. You know that, that's it. like I I do often wonder about, I, I, you know, you know the situation with Brian Flores in Miami that he met, he he made out that he was paid to lose. Um, I could never see that situation in a professional team, but I understand where it might come from. As a ban, it's a win 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 mark. Look, if we finish the season, you know, five and five and twelve, you know, so be it. But like we have to keep at least trying to win. And the team at the minute, I think, is at an all-time low, obviously. Body language is bad. There's players refusing interviews. Um, it looks like the camaraderie is not there. It, it looks fake, if you ask me. You know, the high five and the claps it doesn't look real, you know. It's it nearly reminds you of Manchester United at the minute. It just doesn't look real. So when you you know when you assess the team, the coaching staff and look at all the errors they're making, like penalties and special teams, you know, uh with schooler and you know off sides and you know, you're saying to God, the drops. It's just they can't seem to get any bit of momentum. it does not look like a Patriots team at all. So I I went into last week with optimism I have to say. I thought I thought I thought we'd win, especially the last home game we had, how we performed and it was a game that was so hard to watch. It was really hard to watch because it was just so rife with errors. And then for the final play, it's like, I just keep thinking of Jacoby Myers. Keep thinking him, you know what I mean? How the, the Raiders signed him to a three-year, uh, is it 20, per 3 million deal? Something like that. Uh, and the Patriots signed to the exact same deal. So I just, I can't see, I can't seem to forgive those decisions. Nonetheless, I'm going to this week's, this week's game with a lower level of optimism, there, Honestly, I'm, I'm hoping that the code for Jake Legs has, has the play just um, and I'm just looking for a bit of momentum. Start to get ourselves in the bye week with some kind of positivity. But I, I, I don't know, Mark. Like, I, there's days I think we're, we're not going to go well, and we do we go well against like the Bills. And there's days I think we are going to go well, and then we produce that kind of performance last Sunday. So I, I more, I am more wishful and offered than I actually expected.
2: I it, to say it. It Listen to you there. It's almost a shame they're not coming early because I'm thinking back to. Doug Pearson being asked basically they spent the extra time in London this year and basically comparing it to like a training camp like one of those old school ones that you used to hear about like all the boys together hanging out in the hotel and that yeah. the camaraderie the morale that you're talking about there actually could have been boosted massively by a week in Germany together you know especially with such a massive fan base there I mean Michael you saw it yourself the Chiefs are huge over there the Patriots should be the exact same obviously with Vollmer
0: I think it's going to be, honestly Mark, I, from what I've seen
2: on social today, in the Deutschland, I think it's going to be unbelievable. So they could have seen that. It would have been great for them to see that, especially get out of the Boston market, which is, seems a bit toxic at the moment. And to come over and be like, oh yeah, we are the New England Patriots. Because look, the Indianapolis Colts seem to have our morale around Gardner Minchu at the moment. They really rallied after losing their quarterback. So look, it was obviously a decision that was made many moons ago. But it could have been, you know, it could have been great for the New England Patriots to be in Germany for, you know, that slog this week.
0: Right. Let's leave it there. We will see the Angeles or play the Angeles uh, at the stadium on Sunday for you, James. And uh, I think we'll definitely be in touch on Sunday. We'll uh, if you go to mass and light the candle, we'll we'll sit there and pray for you, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. But. uh good crack as always actually missed this last week to be fair appreciate it boys Mm -hmm. james thanks so much for your time man and mark i'm sure i'll see you at some point yeah (laughs) (laughs) cheers folks chat (laughs) to you soon